the liturgical sense of the readings at Mass. Today's first reading for the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time comes from Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 10, which belongs to a section of chapters in the prophet's writings beginning in chapter 9 and ending in chapter 14 that biblical scholars have designated as being two collections of oracles. The early Christian gospel writers found two benchmarks that the future Messiah would have to fulfill in this oracle, and they believed that Christ Jesus did. The first benchmark was that the Messiah would have to be anointed King of Israel. Second, as King of Israel, he would have to come riding into Jerusalem on what Zechariah said was an ass on a colt, the fowl of an ass. And third, as king, he would establish a reign of peace all over the earth. The peace that Zechariah prophesizes here is a corporal type of peace, a peace from physical war, writing, he shall banish the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The warrior's bow shall be banished, and he shall proclaim peace to all the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The response from Jewish apologists concerning Christian usage of this verse is fascinating because in their critique of Christian prophecy, they end up accentuating its beauty as in how a dash of salt enhances the intensity of the sweetness of a thing. The Jewish critique of the second benchmark is that riding into Jerusalem on a donkey 2,000 years ago was something almost everyone did since riding on a donkey was the primary mode of travel. They also press further here in how the writer of the Gospel Matthew took Zechariah's parallelism, writing on a coat the fowl of an ass, literally, where Matthew chapter 21 verse 7 notes, they brought the ass and the colt and laid their cloaks over them, and he sat upon them. Here, the Jewish apologist is probably correct, and that is why Mark and Luke, and as much as they do not try as hard as Matthew to try to make the messianic case of fulfillment to a Jewish audience, only mention Jesus riding into Jerusalem on one animal. It is true. Biblical parallelism is a common feature throughout the Old and New Testaments. One well-known example of biblical parallelism that we hear during the rites of purification in the liturgy of the Catholic Mass comes from Psalm chapter 51, verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Here, the same desire is made twice for the purpose of emphasis, just as Zechariah may have meant to within this verse. Aside from this valid critique of Matthew, the Jewish apologist supplements the limits of his grace in claiming that Jesus did not fulfill the other two benchmarks because he was neither Israel's king 
nor did he inaugurate a utopian world of universal peace. Indeed, that is the conclusion that every apologist should arrive at. Through the definitive limitations of logic and reason alone, the apologist is left only with the conclusions that can be reached with the use of his senses. On the contrary, it was only by faith and divine revelation by which Simon Kepa was able to exclaim, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Today's second reading from Romans chapter 8 and verses 9 and 11 through 13 also answers the Jewish apologist's disability of expectations. Certainly, the Jews correct in one aspect of his expectations. He, he should have expected the Messiah to resolve the problems of the flesh through the flesh. Corporal issues through a corporal body. But he was in error not to expect God himself to enter into the flesh to resolve the problems of the flesh by healing and regenerating man's nature above the mere passions of the flesh. The ontological condition of the human nature wounded from the fall of our first parents is the reason why there is sin in the world, sin that causes violence. Therefore, only divine cure could remedy the true cause of our sins and our violence. The Apostle Paul wrote about the visitation of the Messiah in this way, saying, if the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Truly, as we all should have learned by now, but the Jewish apologists have not, there is no peace in the flesh alone. For as long as we are not truly united with God, we are at war with God. Humans have always gotten a king that their hearts desire. And this is why Christians have found their eternal king in Christ Jesus, and why Jews are yet to find their king in the world. In today's gospel reading from Matthew chapter 11 and verses 25 through 30, Christ Jesus responds to the opposition he received from the Jews with mercy, and that he affirms that the rejection of him is a matter of their lack of humility, saying, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for although you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, you have revealed them to the little ones. Yet, there appears to be a conflict here in Jesus saying that the wise and learned lack the disposition and the attitude of the humility to believe, but then saying that no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. So which is it? Is it a disposition or a choice from God? On the contrary, it is both. 
a gift and cooperation. That is, it is truly a gift, as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, saying, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from you, it is the gift of God. It is not from work so that no one may boast. And it is true as St. Augustine wrote, The God who created you without your cooperation will not save you without your cooperation. The gift of faith from God is activated and becomes active through our yearning to believe. And all can believe, and that is why all are called as Christ called us in today's reading, saying, Come to me, all who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Yes, we respond to the Jewish apologists. Christ calls you to believe he is your king. You have been summoned by your king, who is the king of peace. For peace is not something humans can achieve on their own, for they might boast about their accomplishments, for if they could. Rather, peace is a person named Christ Jesus. For this reason, we Latin Rite Catholics have in various arrangements of words prayed since as early as the third century in our Good Friday liturgy for the conversion of Jews, saying, let us pray also for the faithless Jews, that Almighty God may remove the veil from their hearts, so that they too may acknowledge Jesus Christ our Lord, Almighty and Eternal God, who does not exclude from His mercy even Jewish faithlessness. Hear our prayers, which we offer for the blindness of that people, that, acknowledging the lights of your truth, which is Christ, they may be delivered from their darkness. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in a unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. This is just one way how the readings at Mass this Sunday connect to the liturgy and how the liturgy is forming us how to live our lives in the world. Be in the world which you have received through the liturgy. I am David L. Gray. Visit me online at davidlgray.info for more content and context about the liturgical sense of the scriptures.